Welcome to Women Investing and Women and Girls on the State of Women Radio Network. I'm your host, Michelle Jaffe. I'm Victoria Mendoza. And we are so excited to welcome Caitlin Grosso, who is the founder and CEO of Generation. Caitlin, welcome to the show. It's great having you with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Excellent. Now, just to start off the conversation, I feel that your path to entrepreneurship has been quite unorthodox, if I might say so myself. You actually just graduated from the University of Pennsylvania, so you're very young. Uh, Can you tell us more about what drew you to entrepreneurship in the first place? That's a great question. I'm definitely, uh, you know, a a true-born entrepreneur. I think I've just my entire life I've been someone who's really interested in solving problems, creating new things, building projects, and I always just love to work on things that allow me to execute a vision from conception to completion. So I think, um, you know, growing up, I was always doing unique projects. Um, I was really involved in Girl Scouts, and uh, my experience with the Girl Scouts, I was a Girl Scout from the time I was. Um, five till the time I was 18 up to, you know, earning the, the gold award, which is the equivalent of the Boy Scout Eagle uh, Eagle Scout Award. And for the, in order to earn your bronze, silver, and gold awards, you had to identify issues in your community and come up with solutions to solve them. And although it wasn't a business, you know, uh, proposal, I really like the idea of, um, for instance, I'm originally from Buffalo, New York, and to earn my silver award, I noticed that domestic violence in Buffalo was a really pressing and important issue that needed to be addressed. So from that, I created this organization called Comfort Kits that delivered uh, toiletries uh, in kit comfort kit forms to uh, victims of domestic violence. And seeing the reaction from the girls and the women who were able to use these products during a really difficult time in their life really allowed me to see, wow, um, if I can make a difference in one or a small group of people's lives, I really love that feeling and also really being able to almost correct a problem or right or wrong I saw in the world. So I was really involved with that. I was always the kid who was, you know, having lemonade stands. I lived, I grew up on a dead end street. So, you know, my dad was my only customer uh, at my lemonade stand, Mm -hmm. but I really loved selling, selling and building are my two favorite things to do. Uh, So from there, when I went to college, uh, and I went to the Wharton School of Business, as you mentioned, Michelle, uh, and I studied finance and globalization as my concentrations of economics. And, you know, it's a primarily finance-driven school. A lot of people go um, after college to be successful bankers, consultants, you know, more, I'd say, traditional business school roles. But I sort of went to business school knowing, how am I going to make myself an entrepreneur out of this? And my first uh, real venture was a business called Tap for Toss, or I should say for-profit venture. Uh, I am an avid tap dancer. I've been tap dancing for 20 years of my 23-year-old uh, life, and it was a business that taught daycare kids uh, dance exercise through tap dancing uh, and at around 30 centers in Buffalo, New York. Uh, so I'm really just the person when I see an issue, kids needed to exercise, the daycare teachers needed a break in the afternoon, and I sort of just made up a business on a the spot one day uh, because I needed money over the summer and I I just like the challenge. So I think my, uh, you know, passion for growth and, um, you know, uncertainty, if you will, is what fuels my passion for entrepreneurship. Wow. So this really all seemed to happen when you were still a student. I remember that you started Generation in college um, also. So in that case, how did your time in college uh, prepare for the challenges and rewards of being an entrepreneur? Uh, How did you use the resources and mentors that were available? 
I that's the best way that I've ever been asked that question, Michelle, honestly, because a lot of times people think that, oh, if you went to business school, you you should just be able to start a business the day after you graduate. And, you know, I, I don't think that's true. I have friends who don't think that's true. I think what college, not even business school, teaches you is how to be a, a wise manager of resources and, and your time, quite frankly. So when I went to school, I just knew, um, you know, what was more important for me is that I knew that Penn or any college is really a wealth of knowledge, money, and people who are experts in subjects that I don't know too much about. So when I knew I wanted to get involved in entrepreneurship, before I even had an idea of what my latest venture was going to be, I would just go and talk to everyone, um, professors who taught entrepreneurship, professors who didn't teach entrepreneurship, but you know maybe it was a music professor who had a startup on the side about um, you know commercializing music, and I would just go and talk to every and anyone I could talk to about, uh, you know, what was it like to start something? How did they utilize the resources of the university? And that really opened up some hidden gems that a lot of people didn't know about. And so before I even had, you know, what generation was going to be, I sort of had the framework. And then when I knew it was time to launch generation, it was sort of like, you know, just filling the missing puzzle pieces. But what was really useful is I think a lot of times, what is the, the uh, you know, people say, what's the hardest challenge of starting a business? You know, money. People say, I I don't have the capital. How am I going to get a small business loan or whatever that might be? But when you think about it, there's a lot of business plan competitions at school, but there's also just tons of money laying around that they're not going to advertise it's for sale. So I remember when it was my sophomore year, uh, Dr. Gutman, who's the president of Penn, uh, raised uh, around like $4.2 billion. She called it her time to shine campaign. And it was her goal uh, to reach that number. And when she did, they lined signs up all up and down campus um, saying that she met this goal. And it just it clicked in my head. I don't know. I was like walking probably late to a class one day. And I said, if there's $4 billion laying around this university, there's five or $10,000 for me to research girls' leadership with the intent of starting a venture. And that's exactly what I did. And I went and knocked on every single door from departments to the Entrepreneurship Center, to the Innovation Center, to the Grants Office, anybody who I thought had money, or even if they didn't have money, I would just go around and ask them. And I actually got the person who funded $5,000 to sort of research girls' leadership with the intent of starting generation, I met while I was washing my hands in a bathroom. Um, and, she, uh, and she, uh, you know, was funding a, a new program for social entrepreneurs. I said, hey, I haven't seen you like around this building ever before. And she said, oh, yeah, I'm the new director of this social grants program. And I said, well, I have a grant for you. And she funded me the next day. So I'm just a big believer in talking to everyone and anyone because with universities being such like a large university like Penn, all of the resources may not be aggregated on a listserv or a website. So you really have to talk to people who can point you in the right direction. And once you do, you realize that everyone's just a stone's throw away. I think one of the really cool things is that you won the inaugural President Engagement Prize at the University of Pennsylvania. Can you explain to us what that was like for you? Yes, so the President's Engagement Prize is a $150,000 grant um, created by Dr. Gutman, the president of Penn, and she said she wanted to give uh, three Penn seniors the opportunity to put their Penn education into action to better the world, uh, make it a better place. So I knew, I heard about this grant um, the first year. It was, luckily, I was, you know, in the first year of prizes, but it was August going into my senior year, and I got an email, you know, out to the whole entire senior class, and I just assumed. As I saw the email, I knew I'm like, this was made for me. Like, it's literally 
you know, the Caitlin Grosso Prize. Uh, and uh, then it's <laughs> funny because you needed a project mentor who was a faculty or staff member. And as soon as that email was sent out, the person who became my project mentor, uh, Lee Kramer, who's uh, Lee's undergraduate life at Wharton, forwarded me the email and said, when are you going to apply for this? I'm going to be your project mentor. So it was really unique in the sense of I already, you know, Generation was only about four months old. Uh, and I knew that this would be, I loved what I was doing. I wanted to do it full time when I graduated. So this would give me the runway to sort of find the business model, get additional funding if I needed. But again, I'm like, wow, this is $150,000 at a school of a lot of smart people, but I have to put my hat in the ring. And, you know, fortunately, I got a call on a March afternoon from the president of the university on my cell phone while I was eating a salad uh, saying, you know, I'm going to give you $150,000. So that is probably like the best moment of my entire life uh, thus far. It, it was, it's still very surreal to me, even though it's been a year since that happened uh, and the prize year just ended. But I, I think it's such a unique opportunity that a, a university like Penn, you know, pl- places this much trust and passion behind their students and also that this was the first prize of its kind at any university in the world. So I feel really honored to be a part of shaping its future. It truly is incredible what you are sharing with us today. This experience and recognition, as well as the resources you were provided by the prize and through other opportunities, launched you to an exciting path with your company. Uh, And so to talk more about Generation, I'll go ahead and pass it on to Victoria. Yeah, so I wanted to talk to you more and really get into the meat and potatoes about what generation is. I'm just so fascinated by all the work that you're doing to empower young girls. And can you tell me first about, I know it's a lot and it's really full encompassing. So what is generation? That's a wonderful question. So generation, we call ourselves interactive media company for aspirational young women. And our goal is to provide uh, a channel of access between high school and college women and companies to promote career exploration and leadership development. So we do that in two ways. Uh, One way is through our online platform, and the other way is through uh, live immersive events. So when I say provide access, I mean, how can we connect executives and girls uh, as closely as possible they can learn about job opportunities, internships, and really what it's like to be a female executive in this space. So to give you an example with a company we work with, for instance, so Adobe has been one of our partners since our inception. So what we do is when online, we do um, interviews with their female executives. We do web series where we visited Adobe to meet with their team one-on-one about what it's like to work at Adobe. Then we've also, what we do, um, we call online campaigns where we'll work with these companies who will challenge our members all across the United States to a particular task. So a task might be for Adobe, they said, utilize our technology to raise awareness about anti-bullying efforts at your school. And then from there, girls all across the country submit ideas, and the top ideas actually work with the company to implement their projects. Uh, Oftentimes, they're funded by the companies. Oftentimes, they lead to jobs and internships. Um, And we've done that with companies like uh, ESPNW, uh, the American Heart Association, uh, uh, Women in Toys, First Niagara Bank. And then on the events, Side, um, this we really want to connect the, the, the young women and the executives and the companies in real life. So we've just got back. We were on a, a cross-country road trip um, that was named the largest career exploration trip for young women in North America. We hosted 40 events in four weeks 
Um, and what we did is we actually took girls by bus to visit the most innovative companies in America. So to, to sort of piggyback on that Adobe example, we visited Adobe, we visited Google, Facebook, Twitter, uh, the New York Yankees, Tracy Anderson, NBC Universal, really 40 of the most, you know, all you would recognize all of their names instantaneously um, when I sent them to you. So through a, like that Adobe example with we're using them online to get to our audience and also in real life where a girl could have participated in the Adobe challenge and then visited Adobe headquarters in San Francisco. So we really try to be, we do do a lot, but we really try to be sort of a one-stop shop that allows girls access to these opportunities. And that's so important. I think that it's great what you're doing, that you're giving girls the opportunity to meet people who are in positions of power. Um, And so I wanted to kind of talk to you a little bit more about, I think, I believe that you're referring to Discovery Days when you're talking about that tour, right? Okay, yeah, I was so interested in that. Um, So how do girls specifically benefit from going to the Discover Days event? Um, Like what types of people will, will they meet while they're there? Yes, great question. So how the Discovery Days trips work um, is that they're structured as single individual trips, um, and you can register for multiple trips across multiple cities. But during a typical day, we visit um, four to five companies, uh, and we have uh, our partner is Bolt Bus, and we'll both around the cities. And at each company, we will do an office tour, uh, a meet-and-greet panel with their female executives, and also a skill-building simulation where they'll work alongside the executives to implement um, a solution to a problem that they might face if they work there uh, as a team member. So it's really supposed to be like almost what would it like to be to go to work for the day at this particular company. And what I think is really um, great about this and what we've gotten from the feedback from the girls so far is that they really were really knocking down the door and you get to be up close and personal to these women's at, uh, women. And there's, there are only, um, we can only take 50 girls on each trip because that's the, the max that the bus Then we sold out all of our buses and they can ask the women anything they want um, about what they got there. And they're actually working along side of them with people who are, you know, almost are in the CEO C-suite level of these companies. And um, also we shared uh, all resumes of all the girls um, with the companies in the hiring department so that they can sort of have uh, preferred access when, you know, internship season is fast approaching already for next summer and full-time positions. So it really allows them to get their foot in the door in an advantage way. And I know they often say, you know, putting a name, but, you know, if you wanted to work at Google and you had the opportunity to visit Google and meet the hiring manager and learn about the skills needed, then, you know, you were hoping that that will help you stick out when that application season comes around. Wow. Yeah, that's so right. I think that the closer that you get to the people who are up there, uh, especially if they're women and you're involved, um, you definitely have a more chance of being successful. Um, so that kind of leads me into like an over uh, general question about, you know, girls and beauty and the standards that we have in society. I think there's a, a problem um, that young girls, the generation faces where there's so much pressure about maybe the way that they look or outer beauty as opposed to maybe focusing on inner beauty and intelligence and pursuing um, self-improvement. Do you think right. personally, um, if, we, if we put more of a focus on inner beauty and education, that there would be more successful women out there in the world? 
Oh, definitely. And that's something that I've been very conscious of since the creation of Generation, which is uh, our mission is very clear. We're for the aspirational girl who wants to take over the world. Um, So in the content, we produce over 50 articles a month of uh, interviews with female executives and, you know, pieces of advice to kick off the school year this time of year. And we are very clear that we do not talk about fashion. We do not talk about celebrities. We do not talk about boys uh, because I just think that now that that stuff is not important and some facet of your life, but I think it all starts with developing yourself first and focusing on what are you good at, what are your strengths, and we don't even really touch upon any of the outer beauty or, you know, what what's going on in that part of the world, just not, just because I think that that's a whole separate beast, and I really want to focus on this side of the spectrum first, since I think it's the foundation. Yeah, of course. And I think that the more that we spread the message that education is what we should be pursuing as opposed to, you know, focusing on what we look like, I think that we would have so many more women CEOs out there in the world. So I think it's great what you're doing um, to empower these young girls. And knowing that and that you realizing that you've touched the lives of so many around the country um, and given the thousand, thousands of girls confidence to pursue those dreams, do you see Generation going global at some point and expanding? Yes. Um, I mean, that's sort of, I say, uh, you know, generation domination is sort of, you know, my, my pursuit of, uh, you know, my, my worldly goal. But I think it's, there's so much that we have to do, you know, still here in the United States. We've reached um, 65,000 girls since we launched. We have about 500,000 unique views to our website a month. And we're right now a pretty, like, a lean, scrappy team. And so I'm really proud of what we've achieved so far. But I think, you know, there's even more delving into things that we need to do here, uh, you know, in the United States. We visited all of the large metropolitan cities. Um, we posted over 60 events across North America. So, I mean, we have been to Canada, not that I would say that we're completely global yet, but I think once mm-hmm. we sort of get a little more stronghold here on the U.S., uh, you know, get more brand recognition through other projects we're working on, I would love to expand globally because uh, it's, it's really funny that we've gotten emails, you know, just through the general contact page on our site from girls from Russia, from girls from Mexico, from girls from Costa Rica saying, you know, how wow. can we bring discovery days here? How can we do discovery days? in London. Um, so I, I think, you know, that's the, the, the path we want to go into. And I even think for, you know, the workforce, that the workforce is becoming a global place and even United States citizens want to go and work abroad these days. So I think that there will be even more synergies when we pursue that path. Wow, that is, that's just so exciting. And I wish you all the best. I'm sure that I'm going to be seeing generation everywhere. Um, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and then I'll get to say that I was able to um, interview you. And so it's all just very exciting. Um, and so I have one more question for you. Is there anything new and exciting that's happening right now for Generation? Yes. So it's, uh, you know, I think you're catching us at a good time since we're just off the road um, from Discovery Days. We're actually, you know, planning what I always say. We always have to be building on what we do to become even more epic and, you know, really doing things that are over the top. So right now we're working on some really big partnerships that we'll be announcing in the fall, sort of what that next epic adventure will be. Um, And in the meantime, we're going to be hiring out our team. So hiring three to four people. Uh, We have, we're going to have a West Coast office and an East 
East Coast office. So uh, if anybody, any listeners are interested, you know, I would say, please, you know, uh, email us at info at generation.com with your resume. Uh, we're going to start, you know, opening official recruiting processes uh, in the in September. But I'm always, you know, just looking for people who like to hustle, who are determined uh, and, you know, really want to roll up their sleeves and get things done. So uh, if, you know, any of those listeners interested, please do not hesitate uh, to reach out. And what a great team to be a part of. I mean, that would just be a fantastic opportunity for anyone. Um, So at this time, I'm actually going to pass you back to Michelle, and she's going to finish out the interview um, and just get get to know a little bit more about Generation. Thank you so much, Victoria. So, Caitlin, it's been great to have you on air. If you are a premium subscriber, you're really lucky because you get to hear more about the amazing work Caitlin is doing. I'd like to invite all our listeners to connect with us by going to facebook.com slash womeninvesting or follow us on Twitter at the handle at womeninvesting. Thank you to everyone who has listened in today. You have been listening to Women Investing and Women and Girls. This show is produced by the State of Women Radio Network, the first radio network for women and girls. If you are a premium subscriber, stay tuned. But for now, I'm your host, Michelle Jaffe. And I'm Victoria Mendoza. Until next time.